All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. My name's Jeff. I am uh, one of the pastors on staff. I want to say hello to all of you that are worshiping with us maybe for the very first time. Uh, Maybe some of you guys that are worshiping with us out in North Platte at our North Platte campus right now live or you're down in the venue. Just want to say a big hello to everyone that decided to come out today and worship with us at the kickoff at the grand start of our brand new teaching series, The Star War. Come on, somebody. You like that? Man, I know. I have to ask, though. I just need to know, in this room um, and out in North Platte and down in the venue, um, if, you, if, you like, if you're a Star Wars buff kind of a person, then I just need to hear you scream. Ready? One, two, three. All right. All right. Good. Good. We got a lot of people here. Well, you're here for episode one. Is there anybody, by the way, that uh, just doesn't like Star Wars at all? Okay. You, you probably, you guys probably haven't even seen the movies. It's okay. We forgive you. All right. We forgive you. And by the way, in at New Life, I need to let everybody know it's a safe place to be wrong. Okay. So this is a safe place to be wrong. So I just want to let you guys know that uh, it's, it's okay. Um, hey, listen, we are, um, we're going to be going on a journey over these next few weeks. Uh, a journey that started for me a year ago. When I heard that, uh, you know, they were going to come out with another Star Wars film. I remember as a kid, I grew up, you know, I grew up going to these things in 1977, not to make some of you feel old or anything, but uh, I mean, I was seven years old when the first movie came out. And I, I was just in awe. I mean, I, I remember my grandfather taking me to the movie and I'm sitting there and the opening scene is the, is the big massive spaceship that's flying over the top of you. And it was just, it kept going and going and going. And then later on as an adult, I realized they filmed that thing and that spaceship's like this big. It was so depressing, right? It's like, wow, how come it couldn't be, you know, so big? But I've been, I've just been, you know, one of those kind of Star Wars kids because that's kind of how I grew up. I'm not a fanatic over it by any means, but I remember a year ago when I heard that this new movie was coming out and I was thinking about what we were going to do is for our teaching series throughout the year, which is what we do. We, we plan all of our teaching series for the whole next year, all of 2016. We kind of map those out so that we, we know spiritually where we sense, you know, God wanting to take us. And so a year ago we map out Star Wars. And the concept of it was this, that the wise men, as they made their journey to follow the star to Jesus, they had to war against a lot of things to get to Jesus. And so we kind of flip the Star Wars kind of on its, on its head. There's a war against you and against me to follow the star being the Holy Spirit to find our way to Jesus. That's where we're going over these next three weeks. So the wise men. How many of you guys have a nativity scene? Anybody have a nativity scene here? Are the wise men in it? All right. When you think of a picture of the nativity, it seems like the wise men, they end up in those things. Well, who are these guys, right? Where did they come from? Why are they even a part of the Christmas story? And more importantly, what can we learn from these guys? You know, I believe that every, every word in every scripture and every book that fills up the Bible is a word that God has for you and me to figure out better who he is, right? What's the character and the nature of God? How I'm supposed to love him more? And then how am I supposed to love others with it? So as we look into this Christmas story and to these wise men, we want to really discover who is God more and how can we love him more? And through that, how can we end up loving others? 
Well, maybe to kind of give you a backstory on where the wise men potentially came from, and that's a key word, potentially. The, the writer, Matthew, um, in the scriptures that we're going to be looking at, he says that they come from a really a far eastern land. So that's about all that we're given. But there's some very interesting things that maybe we can you know, dig up from God's word that we'll, we'll use as our, as our best guess today about where these guys really came from. You know, the Israelites, they were taken into captivity by the Babylonian Empire somewhere around 600 years before Jesus shows up. Now, when the Israelites were taken captive by the Babylonians, um, they started moving some of the wisest and the smartest of of, uh, the Israelites into Babylon, which would be more of our modern-day Iraq, moving them there and then utilizing them for all different types of resources. Now, one man that was taken in that in those early days uh, his name was Daniel and Daniel is one of the writers uh, in the Bible he writes a book in the Old Testament named after himself Daniel now Daniel was a very very devoted young man to God uh, he was a very smart young man uh, Daniel was a man of principle Daniel was the man of conviction Daniel was a man who worshiped the one true living God And even in that moment, though, he is still taken captive. And he ends up serving the king. Daniel is noticed for some of his gifts and his abilities. Daniel was given a gift to even interpret dreams. So Daniel became part of what was referred to as the Magi. The Magi being kind of where we get our current word, you know, magician. These guys, Daniel ended up with them. And um, in the midst of being a part of this team, uh, the king ends up having a dream. And, the, and the, the dream was so outlandish, it was so detailed, there were so many pieces to it, that the king decided he was going to test his magi and ask one of them to tell him his dream, number one, and he wasn't going to tell him, and then also to interpret the dream. None of the current magi could do that. So the king ordered that all the magi, all the wise men be killed. Daniel, hearing this, says, hold on, hold on, give me a shot at this. He prays, he seeks God. God not only gives him the dream, but he gives him the interpretation of the dream. And when Daniel delivers that to the king in Babylon, he is welcomed with such uh, thankfulness. And he's rewarded over the top. He finds incredible favor with the king and the king promotes him. Take a look at what happens uh, for Daniel in Daniel chapter 2. It says, then the king, he appointed Daniel to a high position and he gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon. That's awesome. As well as chief over what? All the who? Chief over all the wise men. So Daniel all of a sudden becomes this leader of the wise men. Wise men being men that were probably studying, definitely studying astrology, um, studying different medicines and different science things. But they would also have been studying astrology, um, not just astronomy. Uh, they would have been di- dabbling into things that would not be honoring, that would not be, you know, okay by the one true living God that Daniel would worship. So as Daniel takes over, he takes over this group of, of men that are in the highest, one of the highest social classes of their given time. These These men had access to all of the current writings, all of the ancient writings. They would have been the ones that had audiences even with the king. And Daniel becomes their boss. 
So how do you think a man after God's own heart who takes over this band of people that are exploring all different types of gods and different philosophies and different strategies, how do you think a guy who serves and worships the one true living God, how do you think he begins to train them? He probably began to train them exactly the way that you would have begun to train them. Daniel begins to teach them and train them about the one true living God. I mean, just stop right there for a moment. How cool is that? Right? That God uses captivity. This thing that everybody would have looked at as like, oh, that's a massive bummer. You know, I mean, here we are. We're the Israelites. We're God's chosen people. And now this enemy, the Babylonians, they, they conquer us and they take us over and they, they start brain draining our country, you know, with the best of the best and taking them to serve them. How cool is God that God allows and uses a moment that seemed wicked to man and he flips it right on its head and he takes the godliest of godly men and puts them in charge of the wisest of the wisest men. I just think that's cool. That's the way God works. And sometimes in our lives, you might be in a situation where you're kind of like, man, God, what is going on here? Do you even know what's happening? See, the thing you can't see is you can't see hundreds of years ahead of you. You you can't hardly even figure out what tomorrow holds. Much less what next week or next month or five years from now holds. But God does. And so in this story, Daniel's put in charge of them. So somewhere over the next 500 years, these wise men, they study the readings of Daniel. They study the ancient readings that Daniel would have tapped them into, such as Numbers 24. They probably even read this, that this this, prophecy said that I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. This would have been definitely one of the writings that these wise men would have been put, put in front of them and that would have potentially even read. What does this even tell us? That a star will rise from Jacob. Jacob. Israel. And what a scepter will emerge from Israel. So not only will a star rise over Israel, but a scepter. You know what a scepter is used for? It's used to put into the hand of a king. That's one of its uses. You know who holds a scepter? A king holds a scepter. You know who wields a scepter? A king wields a scepter. So what do these wise men get to understand and glean from Daniel and these writings? That there's going to be a star that's going to show itself. And when you see that star, there is a king that is arising. So these wise men, as they study the skies and they look for this star and they look for this moment, they knew, they knew the essence of what the psalmist said in 19 verses 1 through 4 when he said the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies, they display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make who known? God known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. A star, a star that the wise men would have naturally been able to look for. But no just regular star, a star that was gonna lead them to the one who holds the scepter, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, And I can't help but begin to imagine that at the right moment, at the right time, 
This one star was going to show itself that was going to lead the wise men to Christ. You know what that means, right? Because astronomy is such a science that they've made programs now where you can put them on your computer and you can dial time back all the way back to 2 or 3 B.C., when it's projected that Jesus was born, and you can look at the stars. You can put yourself in Babylon, and you can stare you know, towards the west, over Jerusalem, and you can see how the stars would have been. Why? Because the stars work on a mathematical clock, that they are constantly in the, in the same motion, and there's nothing to interrupt that. You know what that means? At the very beginning of time, when God said, let there be an earth, and he flung the stars into their place, he put them into their perfect mathematical rhythm, so that the star of Bethlehem would be seen by the wise men at just the right time, at just the right season, at just the right year, at just the right day when a king was going to be born. And I'm blown away by stuff like that. My mind just gets shattered when I think about how complex God is and how he aligned everything so that the wise men could find the king. But it was no easy journey for them. These guys warred against a lot of things. They warred against many, many different things, whether they were physical or they were emotional or they were spiritual, demonic even. These guys had to war against all kinds of stuff. And over these next three weeks, we're going to take a closer look at what they warred, what they had to war against to follow the star. And you and me are going to try to apply the principles that they fought through to our own lives so that we can follow Jesus more accurately and more clearly. We're going to be doing that out of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now today, we're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 2. Let's take a look. Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands, they arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We're just going to break these two scriptures down just to see what it is that these guys had to fight against, war against. And when the wise men, the wise men had to war against first time and maintaining hope. Time and maintaining hope. The truth about Jesus had been passed down from generation to generation like we had just talked in our perceived concept of what, if, what would it be like if Daniel was the one who trained and raised up these wise men, which, uh, you know, there's a number of theologians that believe that that was high, a high probability of the case. So over hundreds and hundreds of years, this message has been passed down. I, I have to believe that somewhere along the way, people were struggling with maintaining hope. Like, can you imagine Hey, well, it's been said for 300 years that the star is going to rise. We're out here again on another night and no star. You ever felt that way about God? Like, God, we, I hear people preach about this promise and this promise. And, you know, I remember, grow, I've grown up in church all my life. I remember people saying, Jesus could come back tomorrow. Man, I race to the altar, bow down, and be like, God, save me, right? And then five years later, Jesus hasn't come back yet. Is Jesus coming back? Jesus is coming back for his church just as he came the day that the star was in the sky and the wise men followed him. He is coming back. And you know the other thing is this. He hasn't given up on you either. You don't have to lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't give up on God. Don't get get weary of seeking after him. 
Don't, don't lose hope. Don't, don't believe in a lie that God somehow is not big enough to deal with your situation or that, you know, God is so small that he can't handle your problems or that God doesn't love you enough to even, you know, meet you where you're at. Don't lose hope in that. Maintain hope. These guys had to wait for hundreds and hundreds of years before they ever saw the star. I'm telling you, God, God is just around the corner working on something in your life. You just might not be able to see it. And what we should be doing is practicing the same behavior that the wise men practice, which was mentioned by Paul in Galatians as an example. He said, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will what? We will reap a harvest if we what? If we do not give up. you got to keep believing. Don't stop believing. There's a song I think that goes that way. Don't stop Believe, but this is the Star Wars series, so it's not the rock and roll series. We'll do that one later. You don't, don't stop believing. Some of you, as an example, you've been believing for maybe a spouse to come to know Jesus or, um, or a child to come to know Jesus. Don't stop. Don't stop believing that God can reach them right where they're at. Don't stop. You know, for some of you, you're, you're praying for, that, for your marriage to be healed and nothing's happening yet. Don't stop believing Keep believing. So in true form of the Star Wars series, it would, it would only seem appropriate for me to use some you know, Star Wars analogies, right? So if you hate the movie, this will be the part of the sermon that you hate the most. I apologize right now. Although it could be the part of the movie that you, you like the mo- or the sermon you like the most, and it's probably going to be the part of the sermon that I get the most feedback on how wrong I was. So I got it. So I'm not the Star Wars expert on this thing, Okay. Don't stop believing. I just remember the part where, you know, Luke Skywalker, he's, he believes that his dad, and if you haven't watched the movies, this is like a, this is like a giveaway, I apologize, but his dad, Darth Vader, is, um, it's this weird to even preach and use these words. Um, his, his dad, Darth Vader, right, that his dad still has some good in him. And he keeps believing that his dad has some good in him. Until the, till the very last movie that, you know, in the whole sequence of movies, to the very last movie where he finally discovers that, yes, there was still some good left in him. Still believing. Still believing even though, they, even though the wise men were still believing even when they weren't seen. Still believe even when you don't see. Even when others have given up. Don't lose your hope in Christ Keep seeking God. You know, how, you know how the wise men kept their hope throughout all of those 500 and some years? They kept seeking God through his word. Seek God through his word because your feelings are going to lead you astray. Seasons are going to be difficult at times and easy at others. And if you let your relationship with God be based on the seasons of life that you're in, you're going to be like a roller coaster. You're going to make yourself you know, sick and you're going to make everyone else around you sick. Anchor your faith, anchor your hope, anchor your belief in God's word. That's what the wise men had to do. That's what kept them looking into the skies for hundreds of years. And guess what? The harvest, the harvest that Galatians talked about, it it will be just around the corner someplace. Just around the corner. God's working a beautiful harvest if you'll just keep believing. The wise men had to war against some other things though. They had to war against distance, and they had to war against just slipping back to a second-hand revelation. 
And the wise men were told here in Matthew, it's a fact that they come from eastern lands. We already discussed the possibility of them maybe coming from Babylon. So how far away is Babylon than from Jerusalem? Well, if you could just fly there, it's going to be somewhere, you know, about 500 miles. But they can't fly, and there's no road that just goes directly there. It's somewhere between 700 and 900 miles would have been the journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. Now, we, we know about how long this journey would take because it's actually, there's a part of this journey that's recorded in God's word already. It's recorded by a man by the name of Ezra. And Ezra was a scribe, he was a priest, he was a leader of God's people. He also was in Babylon. And when the Babylonian empire got crushed, then he, he led some of the Israelites back from Babylon to Jerusalem. Here's what he said about his journey. That he had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month. And he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the what month? The fifth. So how many months did it take? So four months. So we know that here's one guy who made the journey and he was pretty anxious to get back. Just like the wise men would have been anxious to follow the star. And for him it took him about four months. So four month journey. Picture that with me. Picture four months on the back of a camel or walking. Now, we see the wise men as three guys because, well, we've just you know, done some simple math and we said there was three gifts, so there must be three guys. It's probably not that case. It's probably an entourage of people along with them because if you're going to travel for four months, you're going to need a lot of gear. And you're going to need a lot of people to help you make sure that you stay safe and the journey happens and everything goes well. But here's the thing I really want you to get. Four-month journey. Jesus mattered enough that they made the four-month journey. They didn't let distance keep them from Christ. And they didn't just wait and go, well, we'll wait and we'll really see if it's the, if it's the king of the Jews because, you know, people will start telling us about him. And like the books that we read now, we'll probably read some magazines and some articles about him. Maybe we'll Google Jesus somewhere in the future and we'll find out more about who he was. See, they didn't let distance and they didn't let, you know, um, the, the time that it was going to take and they didn't let this secondhand revelation concept distract them from getting face to face with Jesus. They wanted a firsthand revelation and they weren't going to settle for anything less than that. So in your life today, we, we let, ah oh man, you know, I, we had a picnic with some friends on Saturday, so I was too tired to go to church on Sunday. You know, I stay, I went, we went to that movie Sunday night and, uh, you know, it kept us out a little late. So we just decided, you know, maybe seeking after God's not, he's not that, we, we can do that next week. He'll understand, won't he? I mean, church seeking after God, it's not about being here on Sunday, is it? You see what I'm saying? I mean, we, we've kind of got a really easy Christianity. They, they had a, they had a hard search to get face to face with the king. For us, it's so easy. Now, you're going to drive, you're going to drive the route between Babylon and, and Jerusalem. You know, so maybe it takes you 14 hours, 15, 16 hours. Maybe that's what it takes you. You're going to get there in a day, less than a day. I remember I made the journey to Jerusalem. I made the journey earlier this year. You know, I didn't have to go. 
I'm telling you what, right now, the internet's an amazing place. You can watch all kinds of videos about Jerusalem and Israel, and you can watch, you can take all of the pictures that you want. In fact, my wife was over there, and she's snapping pictures all over the place, and I'm going, honey, what what are you doing? The Dome of the Rock, I mean, I can download a thousand pictures of the Dome of the Rock. The more important thing is that we get ourselves documented there. That's the picture you can't, you know, get. You can Photoshop later. Done with a rock. But I made the journey. Why? I made the journey because I wanted a firsthand revelation of what Jerusalem was all about. I wanted to walk in the places. I wanted to smell the smells. I wanted to hear the sounds. I wanted to see the sights. I wanted to reach out and touch the things that were there. That was like the wise men. They weren't going to settle for anything less. See, knowing about Jesus and experiencing Jesus in your life are are like two galaxies that are really, really far apart from each other. They're not even the same. And I'm afraid that Christianity is is quickly becoming more and more just an attitude of what I know about God versus what I've experienced of God. And today, what I need you to know is this. God doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to experience him. Why have you gathered here on a Sunday? Not just to know more about him, but to experience him. Where two or more are gathered here in this place and we're worshiping him according to his name, the name of Jesus. He's here in our midst. God wants you to experience him just like he wanted the wise men to experience him. That's why they made the journey so they could kneel down before this baby Jesus and they could worship him. And they could honor him. And they could proclaim him king of kings and lord of lords. The one who holds the scepter in his hand. And the one whose star rises out of Jacob. God wants you today to experience him. But we're going to have to get desperate enough to make a journey. You have to get desperate enough to let some of the, the comforts maybe of your life kind of drift away. You're going to have to get desperate enough to make a journey that... You would let some of, the, some of the faux pas of our culture fade away. Like, I, I'm worried about what people will think, you know, if I really become one of those Jesus people. Worried about what people will think if I really open my heart up today, Jeff, and I seek after God. Because what if God wants to do, you know, something really kind of off the wall in my heart and through my life? I know one thing those wise men would tell you today. Four months there. And we had to go a different route, so maybe it took four and a half months to get back. Well worth it. Every day on the trail was well worth it. Every day of frustration, every moment of the dirt and the filth and the sweat and the grime, it was all well worth it. Today, get desperate enough to go on a journey in a moment when our worship team comes and they lead us. Get desperate enough to seek after God. Don't walk out of this place just hearing about God. Walk out of this place having touched God. Get hungry for that. The wise men, they also had to war against their, this concrete evidence concept and faith. I think one of the most amazing displays of faith in God is shown in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, where the wise men said this, where... In fact, just read this with me, will you? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? You can stop. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, you could just read right over that and go, well, that doesn't sound all that important, Jeff. What, 
What does that mean? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We know that they made the journey, but here's the thing. They're standing there with all confidence going, we know he's around here someplace. Where's he at? Where's he at? I know he's here. And they're going, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. No, trust me. I know the king of the Jews is here. What incredible faith. These guys didn't need any more evidence to believe that Jesus, the king, holding the scepter in his hand, had showed up. They didn't need, they didn't need anything else. They didn't need to see the baby to call him king. They didn't need to talk to his parents, right? They didn't need to talk to the observers. They didn't need to meet with the religious people to know that he was king. They didn't need another ounce of evidence. They knew the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus himself had been born. They were sold out to that and they were all in. And so they come into Jerusalem boldly saying, hey, where is the king of the Jews? They didn't need any more evidence. And don't forget, these were the wisest of the wise the smartest of the smart, the most educated of the educated. And they came to worship Jesus in the form of a baby. Christianity is not for the weak-minded. Christianity is not for those that are just foolish. The wisest of the wise made a journey all the way back then to bow before a baby and proclaim him king of kings and lord of lords. And they got it right. Amen? They got it right. They didn't need any more evidence. In our today's world, we have everything we need. Everything we need to put our faith and our hope and our trust in Christ. We just keep going, well, yeah, but maybe, yeah, this, yeah, but that. We've got too smart for our own good. Or we think we are. We think we're too intelligent. I got news for you today. If you've put your faith in Christ, you've wrestled with one of the greatest things to wrestle with on this planet and you came to grips with the fact that jesus is lord of lords and king of kings and if you've yet to come to that place you need to know this you're not joining the weak and the foolish you're joining the strong and the wise that's what's happening today the wise men they didn't come asking for favor they didn't come seeking some personal gain they didn't come seeking power you know or position Uh, they didn't come out of obligation they, came, they didn't come with a half of a heart of worship. They came with all of their heart. They were all in, and they came to do one thing and one thing only. They came to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The wise men, listen to this, they only had, they only had a few ancient writings and a prophecy about a star to put their hope in Jesus. That's all they had. What do you have? You've got... You've got the ancient writings, meaning the, you've got the Bible. You've got the whole Bible, right? You've got this story that's here. You've got testimonies from people all over the place that have put their faith in God and can tell you over and over without question that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You've got the fact that Jesus has come and he's given his life so that you and me might have a relationship with him. And you've got the Holy Spirit who is your modern day star leading you to Jesus. We have everything we need to put our hope and our faith completely in him. Now, where are you going to find more evidence? Because I'm telling you, there is more evidence to be found. But you don't necessarily need more evidence to put your faith in him. But every day you read God's word, you're going to find more and more of the evidence of God. Every day that you're alive on this earth and you, you look around at his creation, you start seeing more and more evidence of how incredible God is. So I want you to fight. Fight with me. 
Fight against the war of unbelief and secularism. Fight against that. Don't let, don't let secularism you know, come in and deceive you and trick you and water down your faith. Don't let the media and this world and you know, its, its proclamations of you know, diminishing God and diminishing Christ and trying to you know, take Christ out of you know, every institution that we have and including your life. Don't get sucked into that. This is the moment where the world gets darker and darker. The star of Christ living in you is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen? It's awesome. So take the leap of faith. Please, know why you believe. Search God's word. Search God's word. Talk with other believers. Know why you believe. Because ignorant faith, ignorant faith is going to, it's going to blow away like the wind. But faith that's found in God's word, it will stand for all of eternity. Don't let the emotion of one preacher guy called Jeff sway you. Because that will be ignorant faith. Put your faith, put your faith in the one and out of the book of which we're preaching. Put your hope in him. Follow the wise men to the star. Follow the wise men to Jesus. If the little green Master Yoda, the Jedi, was here, he would probably tell you something like this. Mm. (laughs) Find God, seekers will. Because when you seek him, you'll find him. If you keep seeking him, you'll find him. The journey might be longer than you thought, but you'll find him. I remember still to this day, back in 1977, watching that very first Star Wars movie, and there was this rebel base that was getting ready to blow up this planet. And so Luke Skywalker, I think, had just started flying this fighter jet, or I don't know. Correct me. Send me an email. Tell me I'm wrong. And they're going to go blow up this rebel base. It's like this moon, basically. And they have to get down into this trench, and they're, they're driving along, and, you know, they, these fighters are there, and they're, they're taking on, you know, all kinds of lasers that are, you know, bullets that are flying by them. And, you know, you've got, you've got the enemy, like Darth Vader, he's coming down behind them, and he's blowing them up. And there's this famous line by this, by this like, I don't forget what his name was in the movie, because I think he died, so you don't remember people's names like that very often. He's flying along and things are shooting, blowing up all over the place and they have to stay on target. He's like, stay on target, right? And they're like, yeah, but the enemy's going to stay on target, right? Yeah, but they're going to, this guy dies. He's like, stay on target, stay on target. And then I think he gets shot too. But the point is this, stay on target. Stay focused on the star. Meaning, stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on his word. Stay focused on the fact that the Holy Spirit is leading you. He's pulling you. He's got like a tractor beam on you, and he's pulling you all the way to God. Into a relationship with him, wanting to radically transform you. Wanting to turn you inside out. So stay on target no matter how difficult this Christian journey gets. 
Stay on target no matter how much your faith gets rocked. Stay on target with your worship. Stay on target with your prayer. Stay on target with your giving. Stay on target. Don't let anything sway you. Get your eyes focused on Jesus and don't let anything shake you. Be like the wise men and make your journey. So today, our worship teams are going to lead us. This is your moment to go beyond knowledge of God and experience him. This is your moment to stay on target, just to press in, to go beyond the words that are being sung and really experience what God's wanting to do in your life today. This is your moment to say, God, I don't need another piece of evidence. My whole faith is in your hands. This is your moment to say, I'm going to press, against, I'm going to press past all the things that are warring against me on this world and in this life, and I'm going to focus on the star being Jesus. I'm going to worship him with everything I have. Why don't you stand and join me? Let's pray. Father, we want to stop. We want to take this moment, Lord, to recognize that, Lord, those wise men, the wisest of the wise, those who lived on the earth in those days, they recognized when that star rose. God, may we recognize when your presence is here in this place. May we recognize when you're at work in our lives. And Lord, they've made that long journey. May, God, may we be diligent enough, passionate enough to press past, Lord, all the obstacles and move past all the things that distract us and all the things that want to keep us from experiencing the true power of the living God. May we move past those things and come today with boldness in our hearts and be able to say, where is he? I know he's alive. And today we've gathered with that attitude. We know that you're alive. May you come and minister to our hearts here at New Life. And may you transform us and may you change us into your likeness. In Jesus' name, let's worship him. Amen.